This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. No. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents... I Brought My Wife Back From The Dead Written by Smiley Attack And narrated by Alicia Atkins Four days ago, I tried to drown my dead wife. Her emerald eyes locked into mine as I dunked her head into the water. The bubbles of air began, but soon stopped. I can't say I watched the life flood out of her eyes because there was no life in them. She'd been dead for days by then. It wasn't until recently we decided to bring her back. We didn't care about the consequences. We wanted her back. No matter what it took. She was the centerpiece of our family. The love of my life. And when she died, a piece of everyone who knew her did too. It shocked our town when the news broke of her death. She worked the late shift at the hospital on that warm Friday night. She was on her way home when she was hit by a drunk driver, head on. Physically, she was able to be saved. But mentally, she was gone. The doctor said her brain hemorrhaged upon impact. They said there was nothing they could do. They said she was gone. I made the decision to pull the plug that night, ending her life. It just seems I can't end it a second time. Her funeral went as smoothly as a young mother's could. People gave eulogies, people cried, people expressed their shock for her sudden death, all while I stood in the corner, biting my nails, wondering what the hell I'd do without her. My mother-in-law brought the idea up to me, a few days after her funeral. Those five words drew me in almost instantly. We can bring her back. The book she set on my table smelt of mildew and was coated in an inch of dust. But as I brushed it off, the title was revealed. Necromancy. As my mother-in-law explained, I fell away from reality. I could have her back. She could be in the living room telling the kids stories an hour from now. Everything could be the same. So there I was, digging into my dead wife's grave with the hope of bringing her back. Cracking open the casket revealed a pale girl. Her skin was sunk into her bones. Gashes covered her face. The sight of her corpse made me glad we had a closed casket ceremony. I don't remember any of the spell, only the aftermath. Now, I'm not going to lie and say a giant thunderbolt rained down on the casket or everyone in the graveyard rose from the dead because it didn't happen. Everything was silent. All we saw was an arm come up, 
then a torso. And then I saw her take a breath while opening her eyes. My light shined on her face. Those emerald eyes revealed to me once more. The rest of that night was a blur. But we could definitely tell something was different. She didn't speak or react. She stared endlessly, as if the whole world was in front of her. We took her home that night, and my mother-in-law sobbed as the shell of her daughter sat in the back. It was clear that whatever the hell she did resurrected her body, but not her mind. At least, not all of it. Her mom killed herself two days after. In the note she left, it stated she couldn't move on without her daughter. But honestly, I think she killed herself because she turned her daughter into what she was today. As the days followed, I tried to make the best of this. But it's hard to see the worst. The kids don't recognize her. I couldn't talk to her. She just wasn't there mentally. She was suffering. I could see it. Reality really hit me when I tied her up in my basement for the night, in fear of her being spotted. That's when those sweet dreams of her sitting on the couch talking with me were soon crushed by the brutal reality of this situation. The other night, I caught her tearing into the neighbor's dog. It was as if she hadn't eaten in years. I grabbed her flaky, skinned arm causing her to scratch and bite as I rushed her back inside the house, taking her away from her prey, taking her away from the world. The next morning, they found the dog. Everyone thought it was a coyote who killed it. It was clear I couldn't leave her out of my sight anymore. I'm scared of what she might do to the neighbors, or the kids. I've taken to locking her in my trunk when I'm at work. I can't imagine she minds. Hell, I can't imagine she even realizes. Five days ago, I opened my trunk to take her out. Only found some of her back fused to the floor. I should have known. It was a record temperature the day before. I let out a sigh and grabbed her shoulders. As I pulled swiftly, her skin tore off like wrapping paper. A putrid odor lingered in the air. But that's when a sense of clarity hit me. She's still decaying. She's still suffering. I needed to end this. So that's when I started all of this. Four days ago, I tried drowning her in my bathtub. Three days ago, I tried smashing her head in with a brick. Two days ago, I lit her on fire and watched as her skin peeled. But everything else stayed intact. Yesterday... I shot her in the head. The bullet went clean through her skull, but to no avail. Someone, please help. Nothing seems to work. Every time I try to end her life, she just stands there, staring off into space. I'm riding on here to ask someone, anyone, to help me end my wife's suffering. Because every time I look into those eyes, I do see life. A life screaming to die. Creepy presents what is truly behind you. Written 
by the record 1981 and narrated by Alicia Atkins. Let me start by asking you a simple question. What is behind you right now? Maybe you're sat on your sofa with nothing but your wall behind you, or maybe you're reading this on your commute to work and there's a bunch of people behind you. Then why, when you are alone in your house, do you sometimes feel like someone is watching you? How can you be 100% sure that you're truly alone, and that someone or something is not watching over your shoulder as you start to read this? Now, I know you're thinking that once you turn around, you can confirm what's behind you. However, once you turn around, your perception of what's behind you switches. So how can you be sure that you're ever truly alone? So now I bet you're thinking that if I just get a mirror, I can see what's behind me and you're correct. During the time that you're looking into a mirror, you can confirm what's there. However, you cannot spend your life staring into a mirror, and in my experience, it would not help anything anyway. The point I am trying to make is there is something out there that follows each one of us and spends its life being unseen. So, what do you think would happen if you saw something that's whole existence relied on being unseen by all? Well, I'm going to try and explain it to you, and hopefully you can avoid the same fate as me. It was the beginning of last month. I started working from home due to a promotion I received at work. Now, what I do for a living isn't important, but you should know that my job doesn't involve a lot of interactions with people both in person or over the phone. I live alone, and although I live in an apartment complex with 30 other apartments, mine is the only one on the top floor, and even though it could use a coat of paint, it's pretty nice for the price. So between my apartment being the only one on the floor, the fact that I get all my groceries delivered, and I now work from home, my social life is non-existent. Honestly, that has never really bothered me, as I'm not a people person. So, when I'm alone in my apartment and I get the spine-chilling feeling that there's someone behind me, I tend to just ignore it as logically I know that that's not possible. However, I know now that there is always something behind me, and after I saw it for the first time it has only gotten more vivid. It was a normal day. I awoke to the sound of seagulls flying around outside my window and the gentle heat of the sun coming in from the gap in my almost pitch-black curtains. I left my bedroom into the long, branching hallway that extended from my front door and connected to all the rooms. As I was walking towards the kitchen, I couldn't shake the feeling that I wasn't alone. But as usual, I assumed it was my imagination. So I put it to the back of my mind and focused on getting ready for the day. I had the usual breakfast and turned my computer on to check my work schedule for the day. It was another couple of hours before the feeling that someone was behind me returned. I had taken a break from work and was out on my balcony having a cigarette, when an ice-cold shiver ran down my spine which caused me to physically shake. I chalked it up to the wind and finished my cigarette before returning to my desk. Once again, I did not check behind me, assuming it was all in my head. This time, though... The feeling did not go away. In fact, it seemed to be growing more intense as the day went on. Later that evening, after finishing my work for the day, I lay down on my sofa and even though I was laid down, it still felt like someone was behind me. At one point it even felt like someone was breathing on the back of my neck, which should not have been possible. 
It was that evening that I finally turned around to see what was there. I should have just continued to ignore it. I never had an issue ignoring this feeling before. But after the day I had, I couldn't take it anymore. I jumped up from my sofa faster than I thought I could move, and even though it was only for a second, I saw something sticking out of my sofa cushions. It was semi-translucent, blending into the sofa cushion perfectly. It had an almost human shape to its features, but there were black segments devoid of all light in place of its ears, eyes, and nose. I could not see a mouth, but it almost looked like large, shark-like teeth were protruding from its neck. Then it disappeared. I stayed sitting on the floor of my living room, staring at my sofa for what could have been hours. I watched as the last flicker of daylight was consumed by the shadow of the night as it enveloped my sofa. I finally found the courage to stand up and proceeded to light a cigarette as I walked out onto my balcony. I took a deep drag from my cigarette as I tried to wrap my head around what I had just experienced. I honestly thought that the stress of living and working in my apartment all day, every day, was finally getting to me. Even though I had semi-convinced myself what I had seen was all in my head, I chose not to sit on my sofa as I ate dinner that evening. That night, the feeling of being watched did not return, and by the following morning, the face I saw became the last thing on my mind. I started my morning the same as the day before, and before I knew it, half the day had gone by, and I was stood out on my balcony enjoying the day. As I stared off into the distance, the uneasy feeling of being watched returned. My eyes started to frantically scan the horizon, but I already knew where the feeling was coming from. I could feel the icy breath on the back of my neck, which turned my whole body numb. It felt like I was standing out in a blizzard completely alone, and yet it also felt like I was being engulfed by hundreds of pairs of eyes. I took a deep breath before spinning around on the balls of my feet to face whatever was behind me. I was struck with absolute terror as my face was mere inches from the thing in front of me. Unlike the day before, its almost translucent skin had more of a gray color to it. It had more substance to it, and the black segments it had instead of eyes seemed to be growing darker. There are no words to describe how meaningless everything felt as I stared at the thing before me. As I stood there, I realized that no matter how hard I tried, I could not avert my gaze away from its face. There was no way of knowing what the body of the thing looked like. It was as if I had lost control of my own eyes. It was as if I had lost control of my own eyes. What I could see in my field of vision was a slit in its neck where the shark-like teeth were protruding started to curl into an impossibly large smile. Even though I could feel its icy breath against my face, it made no sound, and the sound of the busy city below me started to fade away. It took all the energy I could muster to close my eyes, and once I gathered the courage to open them again, part of me was not surprised to see it was still in front of me. I took a step to the side, and then another until I had edged my way around it, at no point did its voidless eye sockets leave my gaze. I walked back into my apartment, and I could feel the thing's never-ending gaze staring through the back of my head. I tried everything to stop its gaze. I sprinted into my bedroom, slamming the door behind me, and still, its gaze found me even when it was not in my direct view. 
After that, it only got worse. Even when I left my apartment, I could still feel its gaze upon me. But that is not the worst part. As I walked down the high street, for every person I saw, there was one of these things following behind them. They were everywhere, but no one else seemed to notice them. I saw a kid running down the street towards a game shop with one of the things mere inches behind him. I could never see their body, only their now gray human-like faces. After that, I have taken to never leaving my apartment as I cannot handle seeing that many of them at once. It's like they know that I and I alone can see them, so when I walk past the human they're following, they always turn to face me and the feeling becomes unbearable when there's more than one of them watching me at once. I tried putting mirrors all around my apartment, hoping that if I could always see where it was it could somehow make the feeling of being watched less intense, but it was pointless. The more days that go on, the clearer that whatever this thing is is here to stay. I am sorry about this, and I hope that you can forgive me. In writing this, I hope that some of you will start to see these things as well. And maybe, just maybe, if everyone can see them, the feeling of being watched will be less intense. They do not seem to want to hurt us. They just appear to be observers always watching, always following, so you are never truly alone. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at creepypod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of Creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. SCP Archives, with full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from the LGBTQ perspective. The Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object class Euclid Keter Safe Special containment procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? A memory of a memory of a memory.
Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.